righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Dad, would you open us in a word of prayer, please? Man, join me in singing page 364, Standing on the Promises.
Well, amen. I'm glad someone knows what's going on because that helps, doesn't it? Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house. And uh, God has been so good to us. Uh, invite your attention to John chapter 16. So I, um, on Wednesday nights, we started a study in the book of Job, and uh, it's a study I've wanted to do for a number of years. It's just been one of those things that I actually started uh, a couple of years ago, about, about five years ago, started uh, in the book of Job, and then it just seemed to get real heavy, and I, I backed off and went a different direction, but... Um, you know, when you deal with the study of Job, you deal with disappointments and um, heartaches, things like that. And I was thinking about what I wanted to do on Sunday afternoon uh, as far as uh, of preaching. And I uh, came across a book entitled Resilient. Um, it's some stuff that uh, Brother Chapel's put together, a lot of these are his thoughts, uh, outlines that he's put together. But I like the way it ties with Job. Uh, you know, life is hard, and it seems like these latter days that we're living in, life is harder. Uh, I think that there's uh, probably not a one of us in last year that didn't experience some difficulty. And, uh, you know, it's just good to know that you can face difficulty and hard times and still go on. You can still go forward. And it should be our goal to go forward. I've known uh, people in the past that I've met uh, that uh, some tragic event uh, stopped them from serving God or they got mad at God as a result of some tragic event that happened in their life. And I just want to encourage you, that's not... God's plan. That's not God's plan for our life. His plan is that we might love Him and serve Him with our life, and uh, every uh, opportunity, uh, trial, whatever it is that we face is there to mold us to be more like Him, and then ought to be used for His glory in sharing that with those around us. So, John chapter 16, I invite your attention to verse number 29. John chapter 16, verse number 29. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now, we are, now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and ye, and, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We're going to zero in here today with the thought here of uh, verse number 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. 
Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for uh, the time to be gathered back in your house here today. We pray that uh, this would be an opportunity for us to grow closer to you. It not be wasted time, it'd be invested time. Uh, it'd be time to help us for the days and the weeks ahead in our lives or in the lives of friends around us that we might be able to be encouragers and helpers uh, that these uh, this uh, these lessons, these messages would be such to help us to grow, to be more like you. And Lord, that uh, you would mold us to be found in your image. And Lord, we thank you that in the midst of trial and and problems, persecution, in the midst of all those things, we can have great peace. Because our peace, our peace doesn't come off of circumstances, it comes from relate, a relationship with you. And so God, uh, meet with us here today, and help us draw closer to you, and serve you in a greater way. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. And so the title of uh, this lesson that we're in today is it's who you know. It's who you know. And I hope that you know Christ as your Lord and Savior because that's the short version, okay? But here's the long version. Our first point is the provision of peace. The provision of peace. Even in the most uh, tumultuous circumstance, Christ offers his peace. Here in John 16, he said, These things have I spoken unto you that ye might have peace. And uh, where do we find peace? Our text verse tells us that there's two places that we can find peace. The first one is in the providence of God. Um, we can't know the future, but he does. How many times in my own life I thought, boy, if I could just see what's, what's down the road, it'd make it a lot easier, right? I'd know how to plan. I'd know how to predict. I remember when I was surrendering for ministry, it was like, God, if you just show me, then uh, if it doesn't end in a bad car wreck, then that's what I'll choose. But that's not the way God does it, is it? Uh, our walk with the Lord is a day-by-day thing. And the best thing we can learn to do is just do this. And that's to hold his hand and let him guide us. Um, I've got a grandson. I call him Tank. His name's Hudson. And some of you saw him at the ordination. He's the one that went running across going, Papa, Papa, Papa. And he just loves me, and I love that boy. And uh, he just loves to hold my hand and walk around. And boy, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm guarding him. You know, I want to keep him safe as Papa. I want to make sure that his life, he grows up to love God and serve him. And that's the way we ought to realize that God has providence for us. He has a plan for us, and we need to submit to him. And that God wants to... To, to lead in our lives, and a phrase that I picked up years ago is that he loves us too much to hurt us. Not that we're not going through difficult times and maybe even pain, but God's not the one doing this afflicting or this pain. He's allowing these things to come into our life to mold us to be more like him. So as Jesus lifted up the corner of the curtain for the disciples' future and told them what was before them, you could tell, he could tell that it shocked them, uh, that sorrow filled their hearts. And uh, he told them that he was going to be leaving and disappointment began to set in. Uh, Jesus didn't tell them the future to scare them. Uh, these things, he said, um, in quotes, these things, he said, and he had just told them that he would be crucified and leave them. I have spoken unto you that you might have peace. 
Jesus was telling them, look, I'm telling you these things. I'm laying it out before you here, disciples. I want you to know I'm going to die. Persecution's going to come. But I want you to have peace in the midst of it all to know that I've got it all in hand. And so this word providence is an interesting word. Uh, providence means basically to see before. Uh, you know, nothing catches God by surprise. He doesn't wake up one morning and go, oh, hey, look at that. How did that happen? Uh, God knows, and he allows things into our lives that would make us to be more like him. He sees everything before it comes to pass. Matter of fact, as we examine the life of Job, we find out that everything that Satan wanted to do to Job had to pass through God's permission. He could only do those things with God approving of them. Uh, so God's providence is larger than simple foreknowledge. It relates to his care to see the future and his power to direct the future in ways that are for ultimately for our good and for his glory. Think of the life of Joseph. Joseph was interesting. Uh, he was sold by his brothers into slavery. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He was in prison, and we go, oh, man, look, if you're going to serve God, look at how horrible it's going to be. But wait just a minute. Because God raised Joseph up to be second in command over Egypt to save the known world, to restore him, to be able to see his father, and then to restore him such that his brothers had to acknowledge that, yeah, those dreams that our brother had, they really did mean something. And God really did uh, exercise and, and pass things to make them come to pass. Genesis fifty twenty says, But as for you... Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it to good to bring it to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. So it's, uh, it is God's good providence that is at the center of Romans 8.28. There we read, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. The ultimate example of God's provision is the cross of Jesus. In those dark hours after Jesus was betrayed, arrested, beaten, crucified, it looked as if Satan was victorious, but he wasn't. He wasn't. God had a plan, and God fulfilled his plan. His providence, he had already set a plan in motion to bring redemption. 1 Peter 1, 19-20 says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. When Jesus rose from the dead, he used what Satan had planned to crush him as the very vehicle for our redemption. He said, these things have I spoken unto you, that you might have peace. There is peace in knowing that God has everything in control, that he sees the future, he has a plan, and he works all things for good in our lives. The second thing that we see uh, in this portion of scripture about peace is that it, it's not only in the providence of God, but it's in the person of Christ that you might have peace. There's peace to be found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. I think so many Christians maybe struggle through life and they feel like maybe they're um, deserted by God, they're forgotten by God because they have walked away from their relationship with Jesus. The older I get, the more I realize the importance of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I've got to have a daily relationship with him. Um, I've got to have time that I pray to him. I've got to have time 
that, I, that I'm pouring my heart out before him. I've got to have time that I study about him. Uh, so I've, I've got uh, my Bible that I read on a regular basis. I've got a book um, right now. I'm, I'm in a devotion book that was written by Tozer. I'm just loving it, eating it up. Uh, and then I've got another uh, devotion book that's written for pastors that uh, you know, I wanted to kind of use here for a little bit and see how it would work. But you can never overdose on the goodness of God. You can never have too much time with him. People used to say, <clears throat> people used to say, well, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. You can never get to that point, okay? We can never have too much God in our life. We need him more and more. And when we think about the person of Jesus Christ, it is in him that we have peace. And it starts at salvation, as we talked about this morning, then reminded in Romans 5, 1 through 2, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. It is found in Jesus Christ. True peace with God is so much better than man-made ideas. It doesn't come through a church, a religion, or efforts. It comes through a person, and his name is Jesus. He is both just and the justifier of those who believe in him. Romans 3.26 says, To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be uh, just and the justifier of them that believe in Jesus. It's so important that we surrender to him, that we ask Christ to be a, such a part of our life, that we make him the number one. I was talking to someone recently about marriage. I was talking with them, and uh, they were having some struggles. And I said, you know, so many times couples forget that Jesus Christ needs to be the third. He needs to be the third. He's the glue that holds marriages together. He's that most important part that is necessary. And so it is in every aspect of our life that we might have Jesus Christ in our life. And uh, when we think about our life, uh, we can have peace with God and know that peace from God. Peace doesn't come through a change of circumstances or by knowing how everything's going to turn out. Peace comes through Jesus. And this peace begins at salvation and then it, it is part of our life. We, as we get saved and we begin our walk, uh, some people would call it, you know, you need discipleship at the beginning so that you can grow. Uh, I thought for years, if you just get in a good local New Testament church, you can begin to grow and people can help you begin to grow. And we need to continue that through our whole lifetime here on this earth. I don't think we ever come to a point that we say, you know what, I've had enough of this Christianity stuff. I've been a Christian for 15 years or 20 years. I don't need Jesus anymore. I don't need to read my Bible anymore. I'm finding that the older I get, I need him more. I need him more in my life. I need him to be more relevant. The, the problems are more difficult. I remember visiting with Brother Bush, uh, Brother Carl Bush, who was my preacher daddy. And uh, one of the last times that I visited with him, uh, I was talking with him, and uh, he said, you know, Kevin, he goes, you're going to face things that I've never even dreamed about. And he's, it's so true. Because he never had to face LGBTQTRSXYZ to the fourth power, whatever it is. It's all retardedness, I think. 
He never had to face those issues. He never had to worry about those things. It was like unheard of, you know, trans and all, just the, all of it. He, he was just so unheard of. It's the only way that we can handle all the pressure and the strife and all that's going on around us. The only way we can handle that is to have a close relationship with Jesus. John 14, 27, we read, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. God is a God of peace. Romans fifteen thirteen says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope and through the power of the Holy Ghost. And so it's not what you know that brings peace, it's who you know. So the first thing we see is the provision of peace. The second thing we see is the presence of tribulation. How many of you got saved and thought, okay, now that I'm saved, I'm not going to have any more trouble in my life? That's a lie, isn't it? Because that's not, that's not the way it happens. Uh, you know, we, we, we are born into adversity. We're born, born into trouble. Ran across this illustration. It's really good. Uh, you know, just close your eyes for just a minute and kind of listen to the story and let it evolve. Not long ago, a, ma a man sought the perfect picture of peace. Not finding one that satisfied, he announced a contest to pr produce this masterpiece. The challenge stirred the imagination of artists everywhere, and paintings arrived from far and wide. Finally, the great day of revelation re arrived. The judges uncovered one peaceful scene after another, while the viewers clapped and cheered. The tensions grew. Only two pictures remained veiled. As a judge pulled the cover from one, a hush fell over the crowd. A mere smooth lake reflected lacy green birches, under the soft blush of the evening sky, along the grassy shore, a flock of sheep grazed, undisturbed. Surely this was the winner. The man with the vision uncovered the second painting himself, and the crowd gasped in surprise. Could this be peace? A tumultuous waterfall cascaded down a rocky precipice. The crowd could also feel almost feel its cold, penetrating spray. Stormy gray clouds threatened to explode with lightning, wind, and rain. In the midst of the thundering noise and bitter chill, a spindly tree clung to the rocks on the edge of the falls. One of its branches reached out in front of the torrential waters as it foolishly seeking to experience its full power. A little bird had built a nest in the elbow of that branch content and undisturbed in her stormy surroundings she rested on her eggs with her eyes closed and her wings ready to cover her little ones she manifested peace that transcends all earthly turmoil what a story so many times we think of peace is that you know go away and set you know perfect setting matter of fact um for years, I had issues with high blood pressure. And um, when I first came here, I got a job as a mechanic, but I had to be tested on a regular basis to, uh, you know, go in and, and have a physical. So I remember the first time I went in to have a physical, um, 
when I was in liberal Kansas, my blood pressure was off the charts. As a matter of fact, I had to take medication for a while. And the doctor told me the best thing you can do is leave town. He says, you leave town, your blood pressure is going to get back to normal. You know, a lot of people would look at a big guy and they go, oh, you're, you know, you're overweight, you're this, you're that. The doctor told me, he said, you're right, you're the right size. You have good frame. He says, you can carry the weight you carry. He said, your problem is stress. And so I eventually left liberal. And sure enough, I got off my medication. But I went to have this job as a mechanic and I'd been to a doctor a few weeks or a few months before that. My blood pressure had been a little high. I wanted to keep my job. And so I began to do this mind trick, okay? And so I would sit down. Matter of fact, anytime I have my blood pressure taken nowadays, first thing is I always want the large cuff. I'm a big guy. I want a large cuff. I don't know why, but that's what the doctor told me. Always get the big cuff. And then I put my mind in my serene place, which is... Out in Colorado, there's a place that we stayed, Glen Echo, and out back of where we stay, there's this running river. And it's, to me, the most serene place in the world. And so I'll go in, I'll put my arm out here like this, and my mind goes to Colorado. And I'm thinking about the best day, best day fishing out there, you know, and the water running, nice and quiet, and beautiful blue sky and green grass. Next thing you know, they've taken my blood pressure. Oh, that's great. Hey, that's awesome. And away you go. So it's all about the way you look at life. huh? We can be in the midst of the most tumultuous time, like this little bird in her little nest. Everything around it seems to be falling apart, but she knew how to just rest in that one little area. Is um, spoken of about uh, Mrs. Wesley, who raised Charles and uh, and uh, John Wesley. That uh, she they had a little uh, two bedroom house, and that uh, she had eight kids. And she would sit in the kitchen, and she would take her apron and pull it up over her head to have prayer time with God. To get alone with God, she'd pull her apron up over her head and have her private time with God. I can only imagine. Eight kids and, and all the turmoil going on in her house. So she'd take the apron and put it over her head. That would be her quiet place with the Lord. We can have peace. Jesus assured his disciples peace. He specifically told them that in the midst of trouble, they could have peace. It is real help in the midst of real trouble. Um, tribulation in faithfulness. Jesus didn't sugarcoat the reality for his disciples. And he doesn't want to do that with us either. There's no promise in the Bible for a trouble-free life. It promises the contrary, right? He warned them of days of intense persecution were on horizon. Here in John 16, 1 through 4, he said, These things have I spoken to you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, time cometh, and whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. Boy, I want to sign up for that, right? And uh, he goes on, these things will they do uh, unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you. And when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. But there's peace from God, as he talked about in verse 33 of that same chapter. Paul told Timothy that all Christians who are living for Christ, can expect persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, 
and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We are called to follow Christ, and that will include following him in suffering. 1 Peter 2, 21. For even here too were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. So when the hard, difficult times come, we just need to rest in the Lord, rest in Jesus Christ. There's not only going to be tribulation in faithfulness, but tribulation in discipleship. Sometimes people assume that becoming a Christian will make all their problems go away, when the truth is, that's not true. Uh, True disciples, however, stay with Jesus and are willing to suffer with Jesus. And in the process, God provides the resilience needed uh, to continue. Acts 14, 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And so we have the provision of faith. We have the presence of tribulation. And thirdly, finally, we have the promise to overcome. The promise to overcome. If you were one of Jesus' disciples in the upper room listening to him tell you that he was about to be betrayed and crucified, everything he said would seem contrary to his promise to overcome. If Jesus would indeed be crucified, it would appear that Satan and the world had overcome him. But you and I know that Christ's crucifixion was not the end of the story. His promise to overcome and to enable us to overcome is solid. He proved it when he rose again the third day. And so Jesus overcomes by his resurrection. When Jesus rose from the dead, he proved his deity and proved his power over sin, death, and the grave. Jesus vanquished the great foe of man and triumphed over all the wood, uh, all that would work our ruin. He brought down aid and strengthened from above by his death and by procuring for us the friendship of God. Albert Barnes said that. And so it was through his death that he vanquished the great foe. The resurrection of Jesus is the hinge upon which all Christianity rests. The resurrection did not, if, if the resurrection did not take place, we follow an empty hope. If it did take place, we have nothing to fear, not even death itself. And you read 1 Corinthians 15, talks quite a bit about that. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the crowning proof of Christianity. If Christianity, or if the resurrection did not take place and Christianity is a false religion, if it did take place and Christ is God and Christian faith is absolute truth, Henry Morse. And so Jesus' resurrection is the hinge pin for our Christianity. It was the hinge pin for Peter before and after. The transformation that took place in Peter's life, bringing him from a fearful denier of Christ, when he denied Christ three times before the uh, crucifixion of the Lord, to a bold preacher of the gospel, was catapulted by Christ's resurrection. Remember, Jesus comes to uh, Peter, he's out there fishing, and uh, he forgives him when Peter asks for forgiveness. And then Peter goes forward to be one of the great witnesses for Christ. We overcome by faith. Jesus overcame by his resurrection. We overcome by faith in him. 1 John 5, 4 through 5. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. 
who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. It is through faith and the promises and power of Christ's resurrection that we can overcome every trial that comes our way. So when we think about uh, faith and we think about peace, we realize that it's not hinging on our circumstances, it's hinging on a relationship. In 1678, a nonconformist preacher named John Bunyan wrote a book that would become a bestseller. The book was entitled Pilgrim's Progress. This allegory story of the character Pilgrim on his way to the celestial city has remained the bestseller over the past three and a half centuries. It has remained continuously in print since 1678. What a story. Have you read it? It's thrilling, isn't it? Amazing, however, John Bunyan didn't write this helpful book from a cabin in the woods or a cottage on a beach. He wrote it from a prison cell where he was being punished for preaching the gospel. But it was there in that prison cell that Bunyan discovered that God's promises are as real as our suffering. Years later, nearing death, he said, In times of affliction, we commonly meet with the sweetest experiences of the love of God. How true. How true. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your great love for us. And I pray that you might teach us more about your peace. That we'd recognize even if the whole world seems to be falling down around us, we can still have that great peace that comes from you because it's not about the circumstance, it's about the relationship with the person. Lord, help us to be more in tune with you. Help us to seek to know you and to fellowship with you that we might be found pleasing your sight in the midst of whatever trial and adversity you bring our way. We love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Have a moment of invitation. God spoke to your heart. Encourage you to come, whatever you need. And if you don't have one, be glad to get you one. Please remember to pray for Brother Medlin, for Mrs. Reichelt. Um, pray for the crots as they battle the flu, uh, for Miss Mandy and her foot, and then for the Marinos as they settle into California, that God would use them in a great way out there. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for the peace that comes by our relationship with you. 
I pray that we seek closer relationships, Lord, that we might seek to walk with you and know you. In the midst of all the trials and persecutions that come our way, help us not to get our eyes off of you, but our eyes fixed there upon you. Thank you for all the blessings you give us. We love you. We ask these things. Jordan Smith.